Welcome to the Grazing Podcast for Robertson Sheetham Farmers Co-op. My name is Clint, and I will be your host as we record live from our beautiful Springfield, Tennessee location inside our podcast studio. Robertson Cheatham is a member-owned farm supply cooperative. You can learn more about us on our website, yourfarmerscoop.com, in addition to our Facebook and Instagram pages. Hello and welcome back to the Grazing Podcast for Robertson Cheatham Farmers Co-op. Our guest today is Mr. Sean Haney. He is the leader of the Robertson County Constitutional Republicans, uh, also leader of Robertson County Hunt Club, 615 Overland, which is a Middle Tennessee off-road overland group, second vice chair for the Robertson County Republican Party, and co-leader of the Robertson County chapter of the Tennessee Firearms Association. He also owns his own graphic designer company, SH Design, and most importantly, of all those things I just mentioned, uh, he's my neighbor from right across the street. That's <laughs> so, correct. So, Sean, it's good to have you on here, man. I'm excited to, to get to talk to you and introduce you on here for everything that you're doing, and uh, I just appreciate you taking the time to come up here. Well, thanks for having me. Um, so, I guess my first question is, you're, you weren't born and raised here. You're a transplant from New York. Now, we need to be very specific about this because this is, this is terribly important. Not the Big Apple, not New York City. No, 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 no. But upstate rural New York. Yeah, I was uh, an hour and ten minutes from Canada, seven and a half hours from the Big Apple. And when we talked the other day, you said uh, pretty close to Syracuse, yep. New York. Which... Uh, 30, 35 minutes north of Syracuse, right up by Lake Ontario. Okay, yeah. So uh, geographically, like the western western central. part of the state. Right is that in the central? Center. Really? Right. Syracuse is just about the bullseye of New York State. Okay. So you you were born and raised there. No. Nope. You weren't. I was born in Jersey, and my dad got uh, hired in a company in uh, Fulton, New York. We moved to New York. So I moved to New York when I was 10. So most of my life was in New York. Okay. So what part of New Jersey were you? Central New Jersey, a town called Flemington. Uh, about a half hour north of Trenton. You know, something about the northern New England states like that, you, they get grouped in your mind with cities, you know, but I've come to realize, kind of like upstate New York, very rural, there's a lot of rural parts of New Jersey just the same way, a lot of farmers up big there. Big farm, big milk country. But when you think about Jersey, I think about Jersey Shore, the show that used to come on TV, you know, that's what comes to your mind. The edges, Jersey Shore and Newark. Yeah. South and north. and it's, But you go down there uh, with uh, overlanding and camping in that, the Pine Barrens mm-hmm. down in southern Jersey. Absolutely stunning. Nothing but sand and pine trees. There's, uh, I've always heard, you know, these kind of urban tales. We Like here we have the Bell Witch. Jersey Devil. The Jersey Devil. Yep. Tell me about the Jersey Devil. What is the, besides? I honestly, it, I don't know. It, we saw pictures when we were in school as kids, but it was scary. But it, it looked like, you know. Goat legs, devil head, and supposedly it just ran the woods. It li- it lives in the the pine barrens, yeah. allegedly. Yeah. Oh man, I don't know stuff. the whole you know fable about it, but yeah, it was. But you you didn't have any personal run ins with the the devil. I did not. I steer, try to steer clear away from the devil as much as I can. <laughs> well, come to think about it, the hockey team, the Jersey the, Devils. That's that, okay. Now yeah. it's it's all coming together. Now, you know we got we we got another one down here that I just heard about recently. A buddy of mine told me about over at. Uh, have you been to LBL? Yeah, many times. There's a uh, kind of one of those. It's, it's called a dog man. Yeah. 
supposed to be like a werewolf kind of deal that I just learned about that recently. I, I love hearing about there's those. some there's some stories about that one. The dog man. Oh yeah, where cops went in after a person was found. Yeah, and there were more people found, and it would the stories are pretty pretty bad. I I don't. In our minds, we want to like people want to rule stuff like oh, I just you know it's made up or whatever. But I like to keep an open mind about that kind of stuff, man, because you just don't know. Yeah, you're absolutely. talking about thousands of acres of wilderness over there. Beautiful. Oh, it is beautiful, especially yeah. when you have off-road capable vehicle. Exactly. And you go down some of those 300 trails, you can get down and camp right by the water and have some of the best fishing spots. Uh, and even for hunting season, you can get to the places where the people that pull in and park at the visitor station or the regular parking lots don't go to and get different access to where deer and whatever you're hunting may not be as pressured. If you've got the capability to get off the beaten path away from all the tourists and you're into hunting or fishing or just being, you know, out in the out in the wilderness, if you got an off-road vehicle, you can really open up a lot of opportunities for Absolutely. yourself. Absolutely. It sounds like. Well, even just for camping and getting away. You know, you can go, there's campgrounds down by Opryland and you're just packed in like sardines or you can load the family up and, you know, the family truckster and go up to LBL and primitive camp and it's just beautiful. You're by yourself with nature. The more rural, the better. Absolutely. Depending on who you, who you ask. So, uh, was it 2020 or 2021 you and your wife moved down here? End of. Was it 19? It had to been 19. We've been, we're in our fifth year here. Our first year down here, we rented a house in uh, Kingston Springs because mm-hmm. we knew we wanted, if you draw a crosshair over Nashville, we knew we wanted to be in the northwest somewhere. Mm-hmm. So 65 and 40, we wanted to be north in the northwest quadrant of that. So we ended up in Cheatham County to start uh, Kingston Springs. We were right on the edge there by White Bluff, and we loved it. But we saw the expansion that was happening that way. Mm-hmm. Uh didn't care for it, and then uh, a realtor said, "Oh, there's this place up in Springfield." I'm like, "Well, what's a Springfield?" <laughs> <laughs> so we go up, check it out, and checked out White House, checked out Springfield, and the small town is what we were looking for. It's still much bigger than where we're coming from, but we love it. Right, we love it. It doesn't seem like it's been five years since you've been down here. Time goes. It doesn't uh, until we see pictures of some of our friends back home on social media and their kids are like, hey, we're graduation party. I'm like, graduating from what? <laughs> they just learned to walk a week ago. What are you yeah. talking about? Yeah, and they're just growing up so fast. As When you get to my age, it's like time for us. It's like, oh, that was a couple of weeks ago. And somebody else is like, no, nope, that was 10 years ago. Yeah. No, it's it's bizarre, man. Yeah. It's, it's strange how time gets distorted sometimes. So... What was the biggest reason for, we talked about this a little bit, the moving down here. What was the reason for y'all? Our, my, my main answer to that is when somebody says, what made you leave New York? I say New York. <laughs> uh, it, a beautiful state. If you get a chance to visit, do it. Visit the Adirondack Mountains. Visit the Finger Lakes wine region. It's, it's beautiful. God made it. It's beautiful. But it's not being run right. It's being run into the ground. People are leaving by the droves. You're taxed. I had a, a old farmhouse, 24 acres. My taxes were 11 grand a year. Property. Property taxes. 11 grand. Yep. And, I mean, the pay is worse there for your job. Your pay is worse. Uh, the taxes are way worse. So 
on top of your property tax, killing you. And the pay's not great. You get six to seven months of what we just had last week with winter here. Mm-hmm. So take what we had last week and make it six or seven months. That's what you end up with up there. And when you factor all those things in, that's an incentive to search for a new home. Yeah. Well, I mean, the biggest thing was, for me, was the politics and that the population of the Big Apple is always going to outvote the red part of the state, Mm -hmm. the country people. It's always going to outvote that. And I just, uh, we don't want the country to be as populated as New York City, and that would be the only way that we could outvote the city. Mm-hmm. And I just did, uh, uh, mine and my wife's point in our life, it's not worth our fight there. Mm. So we, honestly, we were looking at two states, West Virginia and Tennessee. And uh, my wife works at the VA. She's a nurse. And uh, she worked at the VA in Syracuse. And every once in a while, she'd see a position within the hospital pop up that she was interested in. She, oh, yeah, I applied for, you know, blah, 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 up on the third floor. You know, lateral moves, just different, change of pace, try something different in the nursing field, that kind of stuff. And so she did that every once in a while. And she come out and got in a truck one day. She goes, well, I got a new job. I'm like, oh, where are you going? What floor? She's like, no, nope, we're moving to Nashville. I was like, okay. I go, when? She want, They want me there to 27. I'm like, that's three weeks. <laughs> I'm like, that's not going to happen. She goes, I know. I already emailed, talked to them, so we got it pushed out another month so we packed up listed cleaned up sold our house in ten- in new york and boogied down to tennessee had you stepped foot in tennessee prior to that uh as soon as we knew she got the job we the, like the next weekend or the weekend after we took a long weekend and came down to nashville which was the week before the tornado hit nashville mm. so if that gives you an idea when we got here um so we were here the week before that bad tornado went through downtown. Uh, and I'd been researching, like doing the off-road stuff. I'm familiar with online maps. So I'd already been researching and seeing populations and how rural things are. And that's where I figured out I wanted to be in the northwest quadrant. So we came down, met with the realtor that we'd already been talking to, and uh, got a lay of the land and made sure that what I was seeing on maps was actually what was here. And it was. And we were happy. Either way, she already accepted the job, so we were coming. <laughs> we were coming either way. Well, West Virginia, I've never been to West Virginia, obviously, but I could see that being a good fit, you know, from getting to know you and, uh, you know, what your preference is. That's, did, did she look for jobs specifically in West Virginia? Or did- we, everything we were looking at, I, I'm a graphic designer, so technically I can work from where I'm sitting, mm-hmm. as long as I have the equipment, the computer and such. So the big thing with her and her retirement and stuff, being a federal employee, we wanted to transfer to another VA for her. Um, if that wasn't the case, we might still live in Springfield, but it might look more like the Orlinda side, mm-hmm. a little further away. But we still, she, we, well, we both right now commute to Nashville every day, so we carpool there every day. And then, you know, on a Saturday morning, you know, go for breakfast. It's a thirty-five minute drive to Nashville. On a weekday, drive to work, it's about 47 minutes to 50 minutes. Mm-hmm. And on the way home, it's about an hour and five to an hour and ten minutes. Right. Yeah. You know, then you get a little rain or a little snow, and it's a it's a week-long travel. <laughs> and it, it's it's never been great trying to get to Nashville during the weekday, but it's, it's substantially gotten worse. I mean, used to, if you went into work at early 4 or 5 o'clock in the morning, 
the density of the traffic wasn't it was it was reasonable you know but now it's just god it seems like no matter what time you try to go through there it's just eat up if i leave the house at 6 20 traffic is not bad i mean it's still traffic but it's not bad right but my wife and she'll hear this <laughs> she has a habit of not being able to leave at 6 20 so we usually end up at 6 30 6 35 and then uh Apparently, Google challenges me to make it there in an X amount of time. So, it, it's that difference of 10 minutes is crazy. Mm. Crazy. It's neat y'all carpool. You told me that the other day. I think it's pretty cool, though, y'all, y'all carpool together. Um, so, when you moved down here, what were the biggest things that jumped out at you, whether it be you know culturally or the laws or you know whatever it may pertain to, that was shocking to you coming from a northern state run by you know a government that thinks a certain way um, as far as high taxes and just you know quote unquote freedoms you have what were the biggest things that jumped out at you immediately we're like this can't be this is too good to be true maybe well y'all basically have a drive-through for getting pistols so that was the first thing we did we knew we wanted to take the course get our permits and that we went to the ashland city armory and we mm-hmm. walked in, they're like, all right, do you want to qualify you with your pistol or our pistol? Well, in New York, you can't even go to the gun store and hold a pistol without providing your pistol permit first. And down here, we said, well, we, don't, we haven't taken the course yet. We don't have a gun. You don't need a permit to have a pistol. And that was... Like, was that I, bizarre when was, you heard it, that? Yeah. And, and like, I didn't... Like, I knew how it takes an act of Congress to get a pistol permit in New York. But I didn't know it was that that far apart from mm-hmm. Tennessee law. So that was very pleasantly surprising when we got here. Well, your buddies that are still up there that, you know, are like-minded, do they, is it just, I guess you're just born into it and you don't really know, know a difference until you get out of it, Same right? Same with uh, your trailer. Pull behind your truck, put your lawnmower on, your side-by-side, whatever, all your hunting gear, whatever you're using. A little trailer, Lowe's trailer, tractor supply trailer. You have to get them inspected and license plated. If it's on the road, you have to have that done. Down here, you go to Lowe's, you buy a trailer, and you just hook it on your truck and drive around. Unless you own a business and that's what you use for your business, then it needs to be plated. But other than that, you, it's a tool. But you have to get it inspected every. What does that consist of? You got to take it. You got to take it to the inspection place, and they check if it's uh, you know bigger trailers got the electric brakes and things like that. They got to make sure that your uh, safety chains are not rusted because that's a big thing up there in the rust belt. Uh, make sure there's nothing wrong with it to where it could just pop off your truck. Make sure your brakes work. Make sure all the lights work. Things like that. Just a safety inspection. So if I got a, a gooseneck trailer, I have to take it up there. They got to inspect it. Every year, you gotta you gotta pay taxes on it, and same with your vehicle. Mm. Yeah, that's that's. We had to take our vehicle in for inspection every year, and if it's a '97 or newer, it has to pass emissions. Right, that gets fun. <laughs> oh yeah, well I think Nashville's the same way. You gotta you gotta pass an emissions test, I believe. Robertson County, we don't have that. Yeah, uh, Cheatham doesn't either. How much when you go to renew your tags for your car up there? Do you remember like what? How much are you looking at? I'm a married man, so I don't remember how much things cost. I don't remember if I get paid. I don't. <laughs> I honestly couldn't tell you. Um, well, I know. I remember my wife saying that it's a little bit more money down here for tags, mm-hmm. 
but the fact that you're not doing an inspection every year, you know, the other things that counteract that dramatically. Mm-hmm. Uh, everybody coming down. There's a lot of Facebook groups that are, you know, moving to Tennessee or relocating to Tennessee, and we use those to get information, and they were helpful. Um, but everybody was like, oh, you don't move to Tennessee. The tax, just be aware, the taxes are horrible. The taxes are horrible. We, we look it up, and it's like nine and a quarter percent. And we're coming from like eight and a half. I'm like, that's not a big deal. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you're moving from Kentucky to Tennessee, it's it's a jump in taxes. But sure. and we're so close to Kentucky. Once in a while, we'll go up to uh, Franklin and go grocery shopping there. I know a lot of people that do that. Yeah, yeah. Since we're I mean we're just a hop, hop keeping a jump over the state line there. Uh, and they got a couple good flea malls up there too. Well, and that you know that kind of leads me into to kind of the theme of what I want to talk to you about on here. Um, the fact that it seems like culturally, you know, used to when I was growing up or not even really when I was growing up before my time, my grandparents, you know, on Sundays after church, people got together and they visited with each other. And, um, you know, there was just more of a strong community link. Now, current times we're in. A lot of times you don't even know your neighbors anymore. And it's like people want it that way. People want to hermitize, which, to be honest, I get to a degree. I can I can be that way. But at the same time, I want to know the people I, I live around. Um, but when people move down here, when people move from a different place, whether it be New York or just any other state, you don't really know what the culture and mentality like they were coming, that they're coming from, that they, you know, they may bring. Are they going to... Are they going to be standoffish? Are they going to want to get involved in the community? You know, what are they going to assimilate, if you will? And something I've been really impressed with you and your wife since y'all moved down here, you know, whenever we whenever we talk, you would say something like, well, I got this community meeting group I got going this weekend, then I got this the next weekend, and this the next weekend. And, and you were someone that just moved down here and didn't know anybody from Adam, I'm assuming. Yeah. And I, I noticed, you know, through talking to you, like he is, he's really just dove in down here at first in, into the community. I'm thinking, golly, that's more than more than I've ever done or in, inspired to do, you know, or aspired to do. It uh, it was it was foreign to me. But to think this 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 couple they just moved down here and. Without hesitation, he's just jumped in all this stuff and is leading all these groups and, and meetings and it was just it was it was neat to see because it's so it's a different mentality than what other people have. Um, so what the kinda like the groups I named off when we first got started, you're you're leading all those now essentially. Uh, leading the ones I started, um, I am a second vice chair for the Republican Party for Robertson County. And I'm kind of co-leader for the Tennessee, the Robertson County Tennessee mm-hmm. Firearms Group. It's co-leader for that is like I help out, you know. Sure. When you came down here, I mean, is that something that comes natural to you? Yeah, as I far as same, leading in that way. Yeah, I did the same kind of stuff back home. Uh, I had Empire State Overland. You know, I uh, we didn't have the firearms group because it was kind of kind of shunned. Even though we lived in the country, you still. <laughs> Like, we didn't have gun racks in our pickups after, like, 90. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure if it's a the right day and the right weather, you might see it here today. You know, that kind of thing. Well, that used to, you saw it all the time. Yeah, yep. It wasn't anything for people to go to the grocery store. 
and you know they'd leave their trucks unlocked and they'd have a rifle, rifle shotgun, shotgun and, 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 yep. but you know I, that's changed down here too for sure yeah uh but man just the fact that y'all have really embraced the community the way that you have um you know it's it's an interesting mindset and you said that's something that just comes natural to you yeah. it and sounds like I, to be honest with you springfield took a while to grow on me really not a long while but we live and you know where we live we're right in between white house and springfield going to nashville every day Initially, we would take 65 South. So when we come home 65, if we need groceries or we want to stop and just grab a bite to eat or whatever, it was White House. Everything was there. We didn't go into Springfield very often. Um, but then as time went on and we started, White House, to me, White House doesn't have the community events, doesn't have the town square, doesn't have that kind mm-hmm. of community. It's more, more anthill than rural. I mean, White House is exploding with homes. Mm-hmm. I mean, exploding. It's like it, to me, it looks like it's turning into like a little mini Hendersonville, mm-hmm. and that is not where we want to be. And that's another driving force in getting involved more with the politics in the community is not even so much with the population explosion, but with other laws. I know I come from where they're already there. You know, California or New York make a law, and then the other one says, hold my beer, watch this, I'll do that better. Mm -hmm. And I've seen all these things happen as I was growing up. I come from blue states, and I don't want that to happen here. Uh, I like the rural, I like the community, I like the the God, the faith, the values. I I love that about Springfield. Uh, I love the pride the community has in the tobacco industry, Uh, the pride the community has in the churches. Um, the pride the community has in helping their small businesses. You know, everyone was out helping after the tornado. Mm-hmm. You know, you, day one, you need anything, just give me a holler. And that's how I was back home, too. You need anything. Like, I'll end up working on somebody build, helping them build their new garage before I finish cleaning mm-hmm. off my workbench that's stacked up for six months. You know? Right, yeah. You know, yep. just if somebody needs help, that's the kind of community I want to live in that they get help. I heard a story the other day, um, a woman, I forget what group was doing, I think the VFW uh, helped them out. A woman uh, contacted somebody she knew, and it went through the grapevine to the VFW. Her oven died the night before Christmas, and she was having all her family over to cook Christmas dinner the next day. So word spread, VFW got together. Don't quote me, I think it was a VFW. They pulled together, they found an oven, and the gentleman took it over there, drove it to their house, carried it up the flights of stairs to get to her her kitchen room, an apartment, I guess, I don't know. And they installed it and got her going so she could cook her family Christmas dinner. And that's that's what we need to do as neighbors. Mm-hmm. You know, I still, I'm still a little guilty. I still haven't met the neighbor on the other side. But, uh, like Jason, great neighbors. Mm-hmm. Um, you guys, great neighbors. You're there if you need if you're needed. Other than that, you're just living your life. We're 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 fortunate. We've got uh, good neighbors where we are because that's not always the case nope. for a lot of people. I remember when y'all uh, when y'all bought the place and y'all moved in. Obviously, we hadn't met yet, and you're always leery. Like, what what am I getting here with a neighbor? Yep. And I'll never forget. I was pulling out one day and. You were pulling out at the same time. We passed each other, and you waved at me first. And I'm thinking, all right, he's any, anybody that waves at you unprompted, 
that's a that's a really good sign. Yeah, you have to. You know what I mean? Because yeah. believe it or not, around here when I was a kid growing up, people used to even if people you didn't know, you wave at each other. But yeah. especially people waved, and that's something that's just kind of it's kind of died out with the culture. And you know that's what's neat to hear you say because uh, well, it ain't died out here. You're driving down a back road, you see an old boy checking his mail, and you wave. He waves back. Sometimes. I have never met this person. You just still wave. Sometimes. Yeah. But but around here, like Greenbrier, because I grew up in Greenbrier, used to, it, now that place has changed a lot. I yeah. don't I, I don't hardly know anybody there. I don't still know people, but um, when I go back to, you know, if I, I went back to my nephew's football game, and I didn't know a single person there, which is fine, but I remember talking to somebody that moved here from, I don't remember what state it was from. It, it was a lady. And they're talking about one of the junky businesses in Greenbrier that I grew up with, like it's nostalgic to me, you know? And she was like, they just need to do something about that. And, you know, it's kind of offensive when you yep. hear that because yep. to you it may look junky and maybe it objectively is junky, but for the, the locals that have grown up here and that's what they know. Don't New York my Tennessee. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, when I hear you say, you know, I want to embrace it like it is, yep. that's, that's how it should be. And and I you know I appreciate that and a lot of people appreciate that. I don't want to change it. I don't want it to be New York. I want to I want to enjoy the small town. Like when I see the, uh, the what is it? They put the zoning change the zoning change request to put in you know, developments. You know, three hundred houses. You know, five hundred houses here and that. I'm like, please no. Please. <laughs> I'm, no. I'm with you. I'm with I see. You. you know, we're in a as far as revenue, we're in a tough spot because we don't have either highway. 24 and 65, we're in the middle. That's a tough spot for that because we're missing some of that income driven by traffic. But at the same time, it's a blessing mm-hmm. because we're a little ways away from 65 right. and 24 and we're missing that. But you can already see, if you drive to Clarksville, you can already see it's creeping towards Cedar Hill. Mm-hmm. Creeping. And it's not that slow, it's creeping. Yeah. Yeah. I, it's. And you go toward White House, you come back our way on 76, there's fields. When we bought the house, beautiful fields. You can see the sunrise at the sunset when you're traveling. There are houses now. I know it. And now what they're doing, they're going to be, as far as I know, the plan over by Jay Travis. That beautiful field, as far as I know, that's going to be housing. Isn't it? It's sickening to think about because that's oh. one of the prettiest spots driving through, no matter what time of the year it is. And that used to, when I was young, they used to cut hay off of it, then they started row cropping it. But either way, it was just... A very beautiful, serene is, little road to drive through. That is through. the prettiest road that I've traveled so far mm-hmm. in Robertson County. It's beautiful. The curves, the barn at the top of the hill, the trees on one side, it's beautiful. I mean, even uh, Real Springfield uses that as some of the photo material for their website. It's beautiful. It's very picturesque yeah. right there. And it's hard for me to believe. My dad used to say, I used to drive, ride my bicycle down 76, and you might pass you know, two or three cars, and you knew who those people were, typically. Comparing that to nowadays, it's just, it's it's hard to believe that was the case at one point in time. There's a website on the internet, I think it's called like Historic Aerials, you can get on. And you can go anywhere in the country, look back, going out, it depends on what the area is, but like uh, around here, I think it's like 1950 or 1955, you can look at black and white aerials, yeah. Of of the the landscape that were taken from airplanes back then, mm-hmm. and it is unbelievable when you compare it to current day. Well, uh, the Hip Cedar Hill page on Facebook, uh, I think John Edwards or somebody just posted aerial photos of Cedar Hill, just basically saying 
This is what the view we have now. It's beautiful. And what you're talking about, you can see in 20 years, hopefully not, but 20 years you could see that same aerial view and there's just houses everywhere. And that takes away from what we have here. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Uh, and it, you know, I'm like you. I uh, I don't like to see it happen. I know people have, have to have a place to live, but once you develop that land, that's it. It's never coming back. And it's, well, it, it can come back, but it's hard. Wouldn't it be nice to have like a multi-trillionaire that made it his life's mission? Like, you know what? I'm gonna go in and I'm start bulldozing all these houses for sale. And I'm just I'm gonna buy them, yep. bulldoze them, and then just plant trees right there. Wouldn't that be fun to watch? Good, as long as he buys them, then dozes them. Exactly. Buys it, them, dozes yeah. them. Because otherwise, you got a whole bunch of penalties and fines you got to pay yeah. on the top of the buildings. Right. <laughs> right. So, man, no, it's. Just like you said, the, the the tobacco heritage here. That's that's a big deal in Robertson County. And it can and be 20, 30, 40 degrees out. I have to roll windows down for my wife when we go buy a smoking barn. And coming from New York, that's that's foreign. There's no tobacco in New York that I'm aware of, is no, there? we have muck farms. What, they, is, what is that? It's uh, The, the soil is black. It's extremely nutrient-rich, and that's mm-hmm. where they grow onions and, toma- or onions and potatoes. And it's a big field with a trench all the way around it for irrigation. Mm. And the black, the soil just, the above ground is just black soil. And it's naturally that way. Yeah. Yep. Uh, up in Illinois, Iowa, it's the same way, just black, rich, beautiful soil up there. But it sounds like the same what you're describing. So the area you're from, was it uh, was it that, or was it more corn, soybeans, or what could? It what? was probably both, depending on if they could keep the irrigation trenches with water, if it was low enough. It would be a muck farm. Mm. Anything close to swamp level would be muck farm. Anything where they don't have that kind of water retention would be corn, soybean, alternated. Yeah, it was a lot of ag. What about um, and dairy cattle? I knew that I've always heard there's a lot of dairies yeah. up there in upstate New York. Very, it's the polar opposite of here. Down here is beef cattle everywhere, and there, I think I passed a dairy farm on mm. the way to White House. But I, up there, it's the opposite. I think there's. Somebody told me recently, I think three, four, maybe five dairies that are still operational in Robertson County. We're used to, I don't know what the number was. It was dramatically higher than that. But that's a hard industry to to make it in from what I understand. But it's more more beef cattle down here. Is there, is there a lot of beef cattle in, in New York or is that kind of a rarity? There are beef cattle. I mean, you can still go to your local butcher mm-hmm. and get stuff from you know John's Farm or Steve's Farm or whatever. You can still get that. It's just not not as – if you sit on your back patio or your deck or whatever and you hear a cow moo in New York, it's a milk cow. Mm. 90, 95% of the time it's a milk dairy. I've, I like calendars. I get a calendar every year like from Tractor Supply that I write all my notes on. Mm-hmm. I try to get them from different farms, different pictures of farms they have around the country. In every picture I've seen, there was one in my calendar last year. I think it was a, an Amish community. In New York, does that sound right? Is there is <laughs> absolutely? There, uh, and it was a kind of an aerial picture of their farm, and it was just beautiful, absolutely gorgeous. Big Amish country. There's a lot of Amish. I mean, Amish is what Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Mm. That's where it kind of originated, and we're maybe an hour and a half, two hours from there. There's a lot of Amish in New York. I wonder if they're subjected to the same taxes that. that other people are, or they exist. That I don't know. That'd be because they're a religious group. That would be interesting to know. Could we? There's a uh, Etheridge, which is down around Columbia, Tennessee. There's a big 
Amish population there, and you can go and take tours of it, and they'll buy it. Yeah. <laughs> Which it's wild, man. We went on a, a sociology field trip there in college, and uh, we've, we've got a Mennonite population, uh, Southern Kentucky and, and kind of around this area, but they're different from Amish. I can't when I, I was When I was taught that years ago, all I remember, it, it might be wrong, but all I remember was Mennonites can have shiny, Amish cannot. <laughs> like we had our uh, steel building put in. That was Mennonite building. No, it was it? Amish because they had to have somebody drive them. Mm. So this old boy in his lawn chair sitting in my yard in the shade under the tree for the entire day. Oh, it was the concrete. They did the concrete after the garage was up. So this old boy drove him down here with the truck and the trailer with all the you know masonry equipment. And he got his jug of tea out and his lawn chair and a little pocket radio. And he just sat in the shade the entire day because they can't. And then they're not going to drive a horse and buggy with all their gear down here. Right. From almost, I think they came from almost Dover. Oh, really? Yeah. I didn't know there was Amish in, in Dover. They're, yeah, they're out that way. But I mean, Stewart County. The cost of things, I, the quotes are getting for the garage floor were fifty five hundred to sixty five hundred dollars. They did it for thirty two. Oh, sub- substantially. Substantially, cheaper. yeah. If it's close, I'd go local. But you know, I still gotta do what's best for you know me and a wife. So we went with the, and it's beautiful. It's flawless. So if you, uh, if somebody that's in the market for put up a garage building or a shop, Mennonite or Amish. Uh, well, their work, Builders. Ethic, their work ethic is, my experience coming from New York, their New Yorkers' worth at work ethic versus Amish, there's no comparison. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I assume that it's that way around the country. Mm-hmm. They're just, that's their job in life is they work. They work and they do what they can for their family and their community. Were they, could they use power tools or was it all? Some can, some can't. Right. It's just, it depends on how strict they follow yeah. whatever they are i'm not i am nowhere near any pro on the amish community i just they make some great baked goods and they can build some stuff i know they have something where they let the teenagers they'll go out and let them like party for one night and mm, it, it, rum springer yeah 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 and i think they can actually choose that's when to, they decide whether they want to become an adult and spend the rest of their life in the amish community or if they want to go out with, i forget what they call us but they have a name for us, mm. non-Mennonite. But it's where they decide. It's like uh, spring break. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. We watched a documentary on it, and, and that, co- that class I took in college. It was really fascinating. But you know, Mennonites, I think they can drive tractors. I believe. I'll see. Mennonites can have cars too. They can have cars. They just they have to be like black. Like back in <laughs> back home, in that um, a lot of the Mennonite community that did the markets, the farmers markets, and things mm. like that, sold their goods. They all had, like, black or gray Dodge Caravans or, like, the 15-passenger church vans or black or gray pickups. It just Neutral colors. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Look at what they wear, too. Whites or sure. creams, earth colors, yeah. And then grays and blacks and blues. Yeah, the one the place down there in Etheridge, uh, which I want to go down there sometime. And it's, it's a pretty neat place, but they wore black suspenders and blue shirts and, and – uh, uh, straw hats, even the little kids. I know? went last year up to, uh, what was it up by Scottsville? The uh, auction. Yeah, I've heard about that. It, crazy amount. You got to check it out next year. They had tons of implements, too. Everything. Chickens everything. and everything. You can go that, down there and get guinea pigs 
and uh, a, a, a no-till drill, whatever you need. They got it. Is that where you got your chickens from? I got some there. Okay. Uh, the other ones I got, the barred rocks we got from uh, Bratton and Jones here in town. Okay. Here in Springfield, Orange well, County. I've heard that whatever you need as far as farming stuff or just oh, if, yeah. if, if you're somebody that likes to go to auctions, it's, that's the place to go to. Um, so, like I said, you know, you've really embraced community, got involved in it, just like the tobacco industry. You got a, a Robson County, Tennessee tobacco hat. From the museum. Is that from a museum? That's a good right looking hat. Square. That's where I got it. I like hats. Well, <laughs> man, you, I mean, you've just y'all have assimilated and and embraced the culture down here, which that's what we need to have because you know even the people that are from here, if um, it used to tobacco was much widespread than it is now. I mean, sure. it's still a big deal here, yeah. but south of Springfield, besides the experiment station over here, I don't know anybody else that still grows it. The last person that I knew that that grew it around the outside of the green area. He just got out of it a few years ago. What do you get more money for? If you're growing corn for ethanol or you get more money for the tobacco? I don't know as far as, you know, the quantity of it, I'm sure makes it. If you've got say a hundred, well, you're going to get much more tonnage out of the corn if they can use the whole product. Yeah. It's, it's hard to, Apples to apples, it's hard to compare it. I, you know, tobacco was the money crop. Yeah. Now, if you've got a thousand acres of corn versus ten acres of tobacco, the corn's probably going to bring more. But if you've got, you know, if you scale it closer together, like if you got three hundred acres of tobacco, it's probably going to be more. But I've, I've always understood it. Right, My, but what do you pay? You're, you're talking just what you sell the end product for. Mm-hmm. Um, you're running the machine. The to, input to get all the corn. You're having people out in the field. How much are you paying the people to, oh, to cut all man. that? The, the cost, the overhead to get it to market. Well, see, that's one one of the ways the industry has changed so much. And then, uh, probably some of the reason why people have gotten out of it is because used to, like when my dad was growing it uh, over there where we live, used to you could, your neighbors grew it too. So everybody would kind of pitch in together and help each other day. get the crop cut. Yep. And uh, the some of my friends that were growing it in Greenbrier, I think the last year they had it was maybe 2010, 2011. You know, you could get a crew of local guys if you didn't have neighbors to come in and help you cut it and spike it and put it in the barn. <clears throat> That's non-existent anymore. So you have to have H-2A workers come up from Mexico. It's a government program where you... I, That's who worked all the mucks in New York. Yeah, yeah. Migrant workers. Yeah. And you have to pay... Now, when... If you're gonna, if you put out a crop of tobacco and you're gonna have H2A workers, you got to provide them a house. Yep. You have to provide them a vehicle, I believe, and minimum the minimum pay that they get. I can't remember what it was. I heard rumors it was getting close to like fifteen bucks. I don't know if that's true or not. So it it takes a lot of money nowadays. Yeah. Yeah. Where I think, but we're in a time now where we've been um, we've been teaching the kids in that growing up for the last you know, two, three decades that you need a college education, um, pushing that any non, any manual labor job is, you know, you're not going to make any money, but you can go, you can go to vocational school now for welding and make way more money than anyone with a liberal, liberal arts degree. Oh yeah. Welding, uh, plumbing, electrical. Yeah, we're, we're losing skilled labor and we're losing work ethic. Mm-hmm. Like, who's going to pick the tobacco? It's gone here. I mean, but I mean, they, 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 people would rather, you know, 
say an entry level job, they'd rather you know be nice and warm in the Dollar General or out mm-hmm. in the sun in the Dollar General than out in the field. Oh day. yeah, yeah. There's no incentive for for really local people. There's one. Well, shoot, there was one farmer I know that still used local guys, but I don't, they may have gotten out too. I'm not sure. It's just that and the regulation that's on it. There's so much government regulation now oh, yeah. to where it's just they make it hard on you. To that's grow their it. job. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. Uh, so you know, it's just thankfully it's still it's still part of the culture. Kind of like what you're talking about, your wife. Whenever you drive by it in the fall. You want to roll your windows down and, and get a big old nostril full of it, you know. That and you go to, like, First Friday Market. We bump into you and Jordan once in a while, and they've got the the glass, the pottery, big plates. They're like a tobacco leaf you can mm-hmm. put as a centerpiece. Um, you can get uh, smoked tobacco, candles. It's it's part of where we are. Mm-hmm. And it's, well, it's, it's very specific for this area. Well, is it in, in the Roberts County Seal? Yes, yes, it is. Yeah. Now, it used to, and I'm sure you've probably seen the pictures before, uh, over the old highway. Now, this was long before my time, but it, before 41 was a four-lane out here, there was a uh, it was a metal sign that spanned over the old highway that said, Welcome to Springfield, Tennessee, home of the world's finest dark fire tobacco. And it would light. It had light bulbs at night. It would light up. Oh, that would be cool to see. Uh, but there, there's, there's pictures of it that you can see. And before. isn't the... What is it there on a square? Isn't it like uh, prison alley or jail alley? Mm-hmm. Doesn't that have got that mural? Yeah, yeah, the, that's the arch. That's it. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That's it. So, yeah, man, it's a very, it's a very specific place as far as uh, you know the history, obviously, with the, with the agriculture. Um, but nonetheless, I mean, just the the ag community itself and Springfield's it's it's a lot of history here. But again, just the fact that you've embraced it and your wife's embraced it, it's it's, uh, fun. it's refreshing. How do you meet people from your couch? Oh, you can. Right. You know, and I, I don't necessarily want everybody I've met at my house. <laughs> it's a small house. Right. <laughs> but you got to go out and do stuff. Well, you know? how well, do you meet good people? You have to put forth the effort to meet mm-hmm. good people. Well, and that's kind of my next question. What would your, because there's a lot of people moving in here. I'm sure you, well, obviously, one of your best buddies, you say you moved here from California. Yeah, so what is your recommendation to people if they move here, uh, you know, they want to have a sense of community somewhere. What's what's your advice to those people? You How know, should they go you about know it? what you like to do. You know what you enjoy in your life. Find people that like doing that same thing. Find groups. There's uh, um, women of Nashville, out, outdoor women's, women of Nashville. My wife goes and they do hikes and stuff like that. My wife does triathlons. She got in with, uh, I mean, there's not always something in Springfield, you know, but... She goes, uh, there's a uh, group that rides bikes out of Brentwood, I think. And she'll go down there once in a while because it's a trek. But she'll go down there and do that once in a while. But then as you start meeting people in those groups that aren't necessarily hyper-local, then you'll meet somebody in those groups that says, oh, there's another smaller group that does, like out of uh, BS Brew Works. They do mm-hmm. the, uh, the running I forget what the name of it is, but they run, and then at the end of their run, they come back and have a beer. Yeah, I've heard about that. Yeah. yeah. So there's that. You, and she found out about that from someone in, I think it was like a White House running group. Okay, so now we're back to hyper-local. So start with the things you know you love to do. Mine was overlanding, camping, and hunting, you know, and then obviously being involved in politics. But I met people from Portland. I met people... 
great people in uh, Kingston Springs, Ashland City. And then all of that, they knew people further in. And turns out some of the people I met in the first year here when I was in Kingston Springs know people in Springfield. You know, mm-hmm. it's it, the small, small world. Yeah, network. Right. Use it. Use Start where you start doing things you love here, and it will grow into things that are hyper-local. You'll find find more things that you didn't know you loved, you know? And the social media side of that, um, if we didn't have that, it's such an interesting time because, you know, with business and then networking makes it readily available. But think about if you, if we wouldn't have had social media, how would you, how would you have gotten involved in that? I guess you just have to go word of mouth. I mean, I'm going to say grannies, Mm. (laughs) grannies briar patch. Because you can go there, and when you walk in the front, you go to the front door. When you walk in the front door, they got the cork board. Mm-hmm. And you go in there, you see the flyer for the Rumble and the Briar Car Show. Uh, you see the flyer for, uh, what is it, On the Ridge, the Civil War reenactment. Yeah. But I'm sure Larry, I don't know, Larry's have the same thing. I'm not sure. But there's places around. I know the UPS store has a metal board where they put up uh, local events. It's, that's paper Facebook. I know you visit a lot of businesses locally and whatnot, but what's been one of your, say, restaurants, for example, or it could be anything else. What's one of your favorite ones that you've experienced down here? In Robertson County? Yeah. Well, coming from pretty close to Buffalo, New York, I'm a critic of buffalo wings. (laughs) Aficionado, if you will. Yeah. So it's been a challenge in Tennessee. Uh, I tried almost every chicken wing that had buffalo wings I could find the first year we were down here. And ironically, we moved to Springfield, and BS Brew Works, The Depot, and Tavern 76 have three of the best buffalo wings that I've had in Tennessee. Mm. And I'm grateful that <laughs> they're in my county. <laughs> what What about culturally? Like, I know my wife, well, she's... From from Illinois originally, she said before she moved down here, she'd never had a biscuit or sweet tea. That's kind of like a stereotypical thing in the South. Has there been any foods like that that you'd never had before you moved down here? Oh, this is where I'm going to show my northerner side. <laughs> Country ham or city ham. You have ham and then you have city ham. I come down here, I'm like, yeah, let me get a you know ham, ham egg, and cheese breakfast sandwich. I took a bite of that and... I thought I was hanging up in a drying shack. <laughs> that is salty. Yeah. I was not ready for it. Can you not find that? There's the no such well? if it's if you get ham that salty in New York, somebody broke it. Mm. It's not we we didn't know it was meant to be that way for anything. Mm-hmm. And I would imagine it stems from dry aging to save. Mm-hmm. Similar to canning canning food, you do yep. that. So it it's preserved. Yes. That's not something that New York has been not evolved, but it had the luxuries before a lot of the rest of the country, being the East Coast and you know close to where everything started. Sure. Everything then spread west. So they had lights in every room in, in New York and you know, the East Coast when they were still in tents and log cabins out on their way to California. You know, but... 
we had biscuits and gravy. Um, in New York, you couldn't get a gravy biscuit gravy that didn't have big chunks of sausage in it, breakfast sausage. Um, breakfast sausage is a hard one to find. Um, back home, they had a lot of uh, maple. Well, I mean, New York, Vermont, Canada, maple syrup. So breakfast sausage had a hint of maple in it. So I make that when I get a deer. I'll make a bunch of packages of venison sausage, breakfast sausage. With, you know, I put some uh, apple chunks in it and some maple syrup. But, uh, yeah, biscuits are way better down here. Sweet tea was only at McDonald's in New York. Uh, I still haven't tried okra. I don't Hadn't know, tried fried I, okra. I don't know. I don't understand it yet. <laughs> it's definitely kind of a staple of the, of, the, of the southern United States for sure. But fried okra, man, I mean, I guess you can get it at, you should be able to get it anywhere around here, if, you know, whenever you wanted to try it. But yeah. it's a it's a it's a specific taste. And another one that <clears throat> kind of sad to my wife and I, we used to meet with friends for breakfast every other weekend. We, hey, we're gonna go to this place this Saturday, and it wouldn't be the same friends all the time, but just to catch up and have that community, you know, stay up to date with what's going on in your friends' lives. We do breakfast at different breakfast joints, and. Our county back home was about the same size as Robertson County. Uh, and we had just, you take one small town, there's probably 15 breakfast joints. I don't I don't know if everybody's working and doesn't do breakfast here, but we've got Granny's, we got Larry's. What else? You got um, Southside Diner, or Southside Drugs. Mm-hmm. They got breakfast. And then the one at the bottom of the hill there, Dixie Made. Mm-hmm. What else you got in, in Robertson County? Uh, on the Robertson County side of White House, there's a little diner. I can't remember what it's called. It's on 31W. Oh, there's one out past Authentic Coffee there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We ate there recently. It's pretty good. Yeah. But kind of the mom-and-pop diners, man, they've all – Mom-and-pop restaurants are – there's a lot of fast food. That's one thing yeah. we noticed moving down here. Y'all love fast food. So what you say in New York, there when you go out in the country, there's still several mom and pop diners that that oh, exist. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We don't like you have to go to a cityfied area to get the mm. Olive Garden and the uh, well, Texas Steakhouse and you know that kind of stuff. When you're like we had Mimi's Diner, it was a mom and pop diner, you know. President, vice presidents and stuff have showed up there when they're touring, but it's just that's where everybody went Saturday what, morning kind what, of thing. What about beer joints and taverns? A lot less down here, a lot less. And see, that's strange because my, you know, hearing my dad growing up, there used to be several that used to, that are that are long gone, but uh, they were more prevalent than what they are now. Uh, but up there, is there still? If you get out in the country, is there still? Oh yeah, several of them. Oh yeah, every Friday or every Thursday. You drive past them, and they're having their horseshoe tournaments. They have leagues, horseshoe leagues. Um, you go down there, and they watch the games. They have the, the, the you buy the squares on the Super Bowl board and all that. Um, and they have every party, uh, St. Patrick's Day. Everything has a party to get people together, potluck style. And what was the name of your favorite tavern up there? Friends. 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 The woman who owned it, her name was Fran. Um, it was right on the edge of the river. I don't know that it was ever really clean, <laughs> but it had two pool tables, 
and it was country folks. Mm. You go down there, the guys at the bar probably ain't moved in three weeks. Um, some of them are doing their pull tabs, uh, and then the younger crews, you know, hanging out, drinking, and playing pool. See, I think that's what a lot of people, and it's 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 a shame, but when you when you introduce yourself, and you know, somebody asks you, I'm. I'm from New York. Their mind immediately goes to New York City. Yep. And that's not really fair, honestly, but that's just the way our minds work. Where yeah, I get it. Rural New York, you get out there and meet some of those country folks. They're wonderful people. I'd say 98% of New York is rural. What about churches up there? Now, I know there's more churches down here. Is there more Catholicism up there? Yeah, or I was raised Roman Catholic. Okay. There's a, you got uh, Russian Orthodox. There's probably seven different denominations. Then when you get into the city, then when you get into the city, you have everything, but nowhere near the quantity. What is what's there in Springfield? 150 churches. Probably. Yeah. There's nowhere near that quantity. And somebody back home is like, did you guys move to the Bible Belt? I go, no, we moved to the Buckle. There's it's. Everything down here, and it's wonderful. So when you're driving through rural New York, you're not going to see Baptist, Methodist, Pentecostal, Presbyterian, Church of Christ? You'll see occasionally. Right. But if somebody's a Pentecostal, they're going to have to drive 30, 40 minutes to go to church on Sunday. Down here, it's like 30 seconds, mm-hmm. and you can find your church. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, uh, Growing up up there in school is like, oh, you got to go to church. You got to do church stuff. Because I went through, I did the first communion and then confirmation and all that to make you know make mom happy. Um, and church was kind of not as popular for my family because when my dad was a kid, his father died, and him and his brothers ran the farm as kids to try to keep everything going. Mm. And this was you know Johnstown, Pennsylvania. You know, back in the day, just at the end of the Depression. And uh, they'd go to church, and, they, well, they stopped going to church because the church did the weekly newsletter, and they started putting the names of the people that couldn't pay the tithe on the next newsletter, like calling out for not being able to pay God. So that turned him off of church shame, shame you into it essentially yes. yeah yes. or and, and at, at least everyone else in the community knows you're struggling hard and community up back there and community in the northeast isn't like down here mm. at all so in school if you did a bunch of church stuff you were oh, you were the churchy family <laughs> it wasn't you know it wasn't a good thing it wasn't there. embraced yeah yeah and that's sad because that's kind of why our country's going the way it is because yeah. everything's getting away from God. <sighs> that gum, man, if they put out a bullet and saying I didn't pay my tithe, if I missed it in a week, I wouldn't like that either, though. Right. That would really rub me the wrong way. And what would be happening while you couldn't pay your tithe? You're still busting your butt working for your family. Mm. You're trying. You know, sometimes things just don't go your way. Yeah. Yeah, you get dealt a bad hand. Yeah. So you're... But all your family, are they, they're still up there, right? You know, I have family left in Pennsylvania, uh, aunts and uncles and cousins and that. Uh, my parents are both deceased, and I'm mm. an only child. Well, what about what about your wife? Is her parents still? Uh, her, her parents are up there. Her mother and stepfather 
they're still up there with her brother and sister, and we go up there when we have to. Mm. Uh, we went up for her nephew's graduation this past year. Um, but actually, I think her and her mother talk more through video chat and phone that we're not 20 minutes away. Um, so I'm happy that they're talking more. That's good. Otherwise, it was just holidays, and it was more like a chore. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's a holiday. we got to go spend the day at you know mom's, you know that kind of thing. But now I hear them laughing and giggling on the phone. That makes me happy because yeah. I can't make that phone call. I can't reach out and go, hey, I'm going to call my mom. Hey, I'm going to talk to my dad. I can't mm-hmm. do that. So I get deer. I, sometimes I tear up thinking, you know, I just got two deer in an hour and a half. My dad would be giggling. He'd be so happy. <laughs> You know, because hunting in New York, it was all, you know, we didn't have land to hunt of our own. So he'd have to go an hour and a half down to Happy Valley. And he'd put a foam pad in the back of his truck with an old cap on it. And he'd sleep in bag and he'd sleep in his truck so he could hunt for a weekend. I can't tell you how many years he didn't get a deer. You know, and when he did, I've got him on the wall in my office. He's got like a little 11 point, a New York 11 point, which is a spike. And it's on my wall, and he made a little plaque for it on the wooden plaque. And on the back, he says, you know, Tom got this deer, da-da-da-da-da, the date at Happy Valley, whatever. It didn't matter how big the rack was. He enjoyed the hunt. I know you recently went, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it's just, yep. even even when I don't see a deer or get a shot at a deer, I still giggle when the chipmunk trips over the stump, <laughs> yeah. you know, and then squirrels, apparently, when there's nobody else in the woods, squirrels weigh 300 pounds, and they, they trample over everything, yeah. <laughs> you know, but... It's just fun to be out there seeing nature work, you know? And then when you get one, it's, you know, if it's a big one, yeah, you're going to post it on Facebook. You're, you're proud that proud of the, the, the skill of your scouting and the fact you were in the right place at the right time, or you're proud of just sheer luck mm-hmm. that a good one walked by. You know, but I get a spike or I get a doe, I still post it on Facebook. Is in, is New, in New York, is, is hunting up there as big as it is down here? Hunting is definitely as big, uh, if not bigger. Mm. Um, but you can get a buck and two does. Then that's it. That's it. You can apply for other doe permits after you've filled yours, but you get a buck and two does. And you have to pay five bucks for the doe permits. Now, having you can can you legally own what? What's the regulation if you want to go out and get a thirty out six or or a shotgun? You can buy a gun. You go buy a gun. Yeah, yeah. They still any gun have to do a federal NIC check, background check, Mm -hmm. which apparently some politicians don't know that that has know that that's there. But every gun you purchase, you have to have a federal background check done. So you fill it all out, and it takes you know five ten minutes, and they run it through the system and. Yeah, you can own a gun. Cool. Here you go. Um, but with a pistol, you have to. If you once you have your pistol permit, then you can buy pistols. Um, and then when you get a pistol, that pistol goes on that pistol permit serial number. Mm. So your wife can't carry your pistol. What? It's weird to me. Um, but when you buy the pistol, you go into the store and you say, yeah, all right, I want that one. They do the background check, da-da-da-da-da, and you pay for it. And then they say, all right, well, go get it put on your pistol permit, and then you can come back and get it. So you have to then go to the city, town or city, whatever, wherever you do business, and you go to the clerk and say, here's the receipt, here's my pistol permit, 
I need this serial number put onto this pistol permit. And they'll do that, and then you can go back the next day or whatever and get your pistol permit. I don't know if they have a seven-day or not for pistols. Several hoops to jump through, it sounds oh, like. Oh, it's horrible. Like, <laughs> for your pistol permit, you have to have um, references. I think it's six reference letters. So you have to have people in your county that are not your family write a recommendation letter, reference letter, on your behalf that they then have to go get notarized and then get back to you. You have to submit that. You have to do a bunch of hoops. Then you have to make an appointment, and you have to sit down with the sheriff, the county sheriff, and basically be interviewed by the county sheriff. And you, it's, it's, a, it's a mess. There's just so much. <laughs> well, speaking of that, since you, know, you are the co-leader of the Robertson County chapter of uh, – the Tennessee Firearms Association. Is there anything in the pipeline, good or bad, that you know people should be made made aware of? Uh, there's always stuff that's bad in the pipeline. They're trying to take guns, um, but yeah, like right now, I t- we there's a bill on the table that would allow in Tennessee you can get a uh, online you can take an online course to get mm-hmm. your permit, or you can do it in person and get the enhanced concealed carry permit. I recommend the enhanced, um, but there's a bill on the table for those that have the enhanced to where uh, they can still carry into businesses and such that have the no guns allowed sticker on their door. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's your right, your right to bear, keep and bear arms. It's a constitutional right. So there's a bill on the table to try to make it that way, at least if it's, it's still a violation of the Second Amendment, but... Uh, at least if you have the enhanced, you know the person qualified with a pistol. Mm-hmm. Still wrong, but it gives the other side some mental ease that this person is qualified versus uh, just doing it online, clicking a mouse, and okay, you've got a you know permit. Sure. Again, any permit is a violation, but. Mm-hmm. But that's something that they're working on potentially. To yes. It's yeah. tough for law-abiding citizens because to in order to stay law-abiding, you have to abide by the laws that are currently on the book. Then you need to be involved in politics in your community to get a voice to try to get things changed to get those laws that are on the book changed to mm-hmm. remove some of the violations. So you have to work within the parameters. Not right, but that's what we have to do. Yeah, yeah, it's just part of the deal, the way it is. Uh, so how long do you think we've been going on this? I always like to ask people this because people are always surprised. Uh, I'd say hour and nine minutes. Hour and two minutes. Oh, but it always goes by fast. But we I talked for seven that. minutes before we started. We, it, so. may, it may have been longer than that. <laughs> so, you know, I, I introduced you to these groups, what you're in, and, you know, it's kind of the, the, the deal, what I was thinking, Sean, was – you know, you moved down here to a foreign place and you've embraced the community. You hadn't tried to, if you've tried to implement change, it's been for the better. But, you know, it's. And for the have, better in my, in what I feel. Right. It might not be the same for everybody, but. Well, in my mind, you, you want to embrace the, the old time culture of the community. You don't want more people moving here because it's, it's getting crowded yeah, enough I, already. I made it. I'm, I made it. We don't need any more. <laughs> I made it here. We rolled out the red carpet for you. Well, Everybody else, it. stay out. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I'm I'm with you. I uh, you know, if somebody moves down here from another state, 
obviously I I would prefer them to have the mentality that you have of let's uh, let's embrace the 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 local culture here, yeah. and also let's keep out any more development and people coming in. Let's yeah. keep it rural at if least, we can. Like when they say they're going to put up a you know a new condo place in Springfield, I'm like cool. It's in the city of Springfield. Mm. Just stop annexing part of Robinson yeah. County. You know, just let's try to keep the county at the county and city to city. Exactly. You know, exactly. and I'm all for our city doing great and our county doing great. And you know, it comes with a there's price. There's so much to do in Robertson County every weekend. Like my wife, we're meeting some friends. Uh, we're going today at two o'clock to BS Brew Works. They're having the singer songwriter show. You know, it's just there's. If you're looking for something to do, there's yeah, always there's, there's always some. And visit when these uh, local farms have their little open houses or you pick days. Go, go do go do it. You know, do uh, experience uh, Robertson County is an amazing way mm-hmm. to learn. You can't do it once. You have to do it every year because it's different places on the on the tour every year. Did y'all do the uh, the how, historic house tour around Christmas here in Springfield? Did we did you not. See we that? haven't done that yet. Do that next year. We okay. we did that. That was fantastic. Okay. There's a four or five old historic houses. You you go in and you know the owners are there and they'll answer any questions you have. It was that was the first time I'd ever did it, and it was that was fantastic. We did the museum this year, mm-hmm. uh, and that was enlightening because of the amount of stuff that's the slave history. Yeah. And that's nothing that we see in New York. Right. We never saw that kind of stuff. You know, we saw, like, the old, the Nazi paraphernalia in the museums and stuff. We're like, uh, you know. But just seeing, oh, here's the, the big, uh, what, 4 by 6 4 by 8 what is it called, a panorama or whatever. The, yeah. The, the, the dia. Yes. has the layout of the pl- of the plantation. The model. Of, yeah, the model, yeah. yeah. And you say, oh, here's the slave quarters. Here's the slave funeral uh, cemetery, and just—it's wow. That, that's nothing that we ever saw. Right. We had our our maritime museum had a little section of one room that had like a little cupboard where you store your dry goods. The cupboard opened, and inside it was a little candle that would mount on the wall, a little oil candle, oil lantern, a little place to sleep in that. And it was an underground railroad's hiding place. Mm-hmm. That they took out of a building and put it in here to save it, so that's the side of it we saw, the Underground Railroad and trying to get them free, but down here there's just so much other history. Like where I work, I work in Bellmead, and uh, we have two customers that come into the store. They live on the same road. Bellmead's got money. They live on the same road. One family's white, one family's black. The white man's family, his going back used to own the other guy's family. Really? And they come in and they joke around. That's wow. They're, they're friends because they're neighbors. But just that blew my mind that his family used to own his family. And then just. Did they have, uh, it, it would be interesting if they had like any documentation or yeah. letters or anything corresponding to that. That's wild, man. Right? Golly. Well, the the Westington Plantation, which is Westington and Glen Raven up in Robson County, from what I was told. At one point in time, it was the largest tobacco plantation in the United States. And they grew somewhere like around a 1,000 acres of tobacco, which is an insane, insane amount. Because, well, tobacco production is pretty primitive. You know, A 1,000 acres of anything. Well, if you go out and you look at it. With the machinery and equipment they had. Which was just mules and manpower. Which today, now, of course, the technology was chemicals and whatnot, but it's still a a hand cut crop essentially yeah. Yeah. but when you if i took you out to 
15 acre field of tobacco and said, Sean, me and you, or that, you know, there's half a dozen of us. We're going to go out there and cut it. You're a 10 gallon sweet It looks like an ocean. Yeah. So when a thousand acres, it's just insane for me to think about. Yeah. Um, absolutely. But man, like you said, man, it's just when you go in the, the museum, which I highly recommend absolutely. people go to. Absolutely. Um, They've done a fantastic job of preserving a lot of wonderful things there. But when you see that, it kind of puts it in perspective. It's just, wow. One more thing. You were asking about restaurants. Deja Mu. Go there, get their grilled cheese and their tomato soup. Just trust me. Grilled cheese and tomato soup. Absolutely. Now, we've got one in Springfield. I think there's another one in White House. There is. The White House. I like Springfield, but if it's a nice spring, fall, summer evening and it's a little chilly, the one in White House has the outdoor fire pit you can sit around. Mm-hmm. That's nice too. Right. So I've been I've been to the one in White House. I've never been to the one in Springfield though. But so I've I never had the that. food out of White House. I'm talking Springfield. Yeah. I shoot. I don't. Even, I think I thought they just had ice cream. I didn't know they, they had do, food. They have breakfast and lunch menu, and that their tomato soup with the grilled cheeses. That's a good comfort you. food. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, Take my word for it. <laughs> well, and one thing, I, one last thing, I want to give a plug to Sean. Obviously, you're a graphic designer by trade, but you have your own design company yes. at SH Design. It's, uh, it's just me. On you know, I do it locally. Uh, I've done logos for you know Gateway Printing Center. I've done some work for Storts Furniture uh, for their hundred year, and just business cards, things like that. But sure. I, I primarily do branding, uh, logo design. Anything to market your business. You want to get some stuff set up for you, I'll help you out, you know, kind of thing. It's so local people, if they're in need of branding, marketing, that's something you can help them with. Absolutely. Absolutely. You find Sean Heaney Design on Facebook, uh, Design online, uh, or you can reach out 615-485-9872 and... Talk over what you want to need, what you want to go over, what you want to do. I looked at your website, man. You got some beautiful stuff on there. What you've done, you've Thank got you. an artistic, Thank artistic you. mind. It needs you. to be updated, but again, I'm not a web designer. So, are you? Because it takes an artistic brain to be able to do that. Can you draw or play? I can't draw at all. Can you play a uh, instrument? Uh, no. <laughs> Air guitar, yes. Well, it, I want to learn harmonica. Harmonica, that is an interesting answer. I've got a buddy that can play the harmonica. It's just the campfire aspect. Yeah. Like yeah. A guitar around a campfire is amazing, but a car, a guitar is bigger than a harmonica. Right. You can just fit it in your back pocket <laughs> and keep going. You absolutely. Know? Harmonica. I don't think it's terribly hard. It'd be hard for me to learn, but I don't think it's a terribly hard one to learn if you're going to learn one. I don't think from what I've heard. You're feeling froggy. You go out to Authentic Coffee and sit on the bluegrass. Oh, and yeah. just... Yeah. yeah, it's a beautiful thing, yeah. man. Well, Sean, this has been uh, it's been fun, man. I appreciate you taking the time to do it. And, uh, you know, again, I just – the way y'all jumped him down here to, to a foreign land that you moved to and embraced it, you know, it's uh, it's been good to see. I appreciate it, it, you noticing. I appreciate the kind words. Yeah, yeah, man. But Thanks uh, for having me. Absolutely. It's been a lot. And you got your hat. I did. That was a great surprise. Very nice. Hat. And we were talking about co-op hats. If uh, if you need a hat, you know the co-op is a place to come get hats. Oh, I know they've got some money already. <laughs> My wife won't bring me here when we got to get chicken food and stuff. You got it automatically in. adds twenty five dollars to the bill or to get right. a hat. Just blindfold you if she has to. <laughs> you yep. know. Yep. 
right, y'all. Well, hey, y'all, I hope you uh, enjoyed listening to this episode. Be sure to tune in next week for another grazing podcast episode. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Grazing Podcast. Be sure to subscribe, leave us a review, and come pay us a visit at Robertson Sheetham Farmers Co-op.